Welcome, Falcon fans, to the very first edition of the Falcon Paladin Hour. With me today is my co-host, Wade. How are you doing today, Wade? I'm good. How are you, Falcon? I'm doing very well. For those of you who do not know, we are doing this podcast internationally. We are doing this from the United States to Australia, which is about as far as you can get from any two points on planet Earth. Although, although not the furthest. So those of you who are familiar with my, uh, my YouTube cast, you may have heard me mention that I am in Utah. And I believe the furthest point on the map that you can get from Utah, from where I am, is the country of Madagascar. I think it is directly opposed. So that's just that island off the southeastern coast of mainland Africa. It's still part of Africa, but it's not part of the mainland of the continent. So that's it. So that is, that is, that is really far away. Yeah, that's pretty far. And yet here we are, still able to talk the wonders of modern technology. Modern technology is truly the greatest marvel of our age. Uh, it's the only marvel of our age. Okay, so you're talking like hanging gardens of Babylon and the pyramids and the ancient wonders of the world that they all had? Yeah, they had they built pyramids, like you said. Rome had an empire, and then we get the internet. I think it's a fair trade. You know what? I, I, would, I would take the internet over pretty much anything else that any other era could offer. Anything. I mean, you think about it. Okay, so I minored in history. So this podcast might take a bit of a history nerd turn every once in a while. Oh, that's, I'm fine with that. I'm a amateur history buff. My brother is oh, good. a history teacher, so I picked up a lot of it. Um, mm -hmm. and I just love history. It's all good. So one of the lessons I've learned from studying history is that, like, yes, my life is pretty average compared to, you know, other people, at least in the United States. I'm not going to say in the world because there's a lot of variation there. But... My life, which I consider average, is like a hundred million times better than the kings of the ages, of the like the best lifestyle anybody ever had in the preceding 10,000 years. Because I have indoor plumbing, because I have hot water whenever I want it, because I have the internet and television and beds that are so much better than anything anybody ever had. And the food is always non-botulism, and you can't get that guarantee anywhere else in history. And so just... We're just so lucky, I guess, as to put it in shorthand, to live when we do. Mm, absolutely. Uh, it might be fun to, like, fantasize about, hmm, what was it like in the old days, the BC days? And then I realize, I don't want polio. Or scurvy. Or, I mean, they still had cancer and leukemia, and... Yeah, uh, that's uh, one of the actually interesting things, uh, comparisons you can make, is developed countries don't have malaria, but... At the same time, in places like Africa, where malaria is present, and uh, they don't have a lot of deaths from leukemia and other kinds of cancer, and it's an interesting topic that, you know, we get more developed, but we just get new problems. Yeah, well, and part of it, too, is the argument is made that, yes, we're dying of cancer more often because we're not dying of other stuff when we're younger. So our bodies decompose, they start breaking down around 80, 90 years old, and people are dying of cancer, which is, I mean, technically, yes, it's cancer, but really it's just old age. It's just our chromosomes struggling as we are alive as long as we are. So it's it's all about perspective. It's all about knowing. If you like take the average person like you or I from today, the people from 50,000 years ago, I think happiness is about relative. We just have a higher mm. standard of living, which gives us new problems. And I think having those new problems is still always worth it because we have ways of dealing with those problems now. And we're still developing yes. ways, which is hopefully going to get better and better over time. Uh, which 
you know, the old problems obviously got better, so hopefully these ones will too. Yeah, that's that's the progress that you make. You fix problems and new ones pop up and hopefully the new ones aren't quite as bad as the old ones, but you can't really control that, so... To, like make AI and then they kind of just take over the world slowly. Isn't that kind of the topic of the day though, as far as tech goes, like Everyone. AI progressing and what that means? Yeah, everyone's worried about robots coming to take their jobs and stuff. Right. It's a bit of an issue because it is like right there. Look around the room, how many objects do you see that are basically just computers? <laughs> I can yep. see six. Yeah, and I, I mean, I took a look at my Wi-Fi. Uh, my Wi-Fi router the other day, and I have 11 objects connected to my Wi-Fi <laughs> in my house. And I'm I'm counting, and I'm like, do I really have 11? I'm going through the Roku and the Apple TV and the iPad and the kids. And yeah, it's 11 things that are connected wow. to the internet from my house, wireless. And then I also have my PC, which is connected through the Ethernet. So that's 12. And it's just like you're we're just surrounded by computers, 100%. Mm, yeah. And so it takes like one rogue AI that wants to, you know, wipe out the human race for whatever reasons. And all of a sudden it's in 12 devices in your house. How do you fight that? Well, yeah, well, I mean, it depends what the object is. Like, I'm not afraid of my wife's iPad killing us all because it's an <laughs> iPad. Like, I'm not entirely sure how it could pull that off, you know? <laughs> uh, hold on, give me a minute. I'll try and think of something. <laughs> no, but, uh, but I mean, there's... No, there's just two kind of two aspects to this whole thing. You have the one that is robots are taking our jobs, which is true. Robots have been taking our jobs for a long time, especially in factory jobs over the last decades, right? Manufacturing jobs are much more cheaply done, more efficiently done with robots compared to people. So those are disappearing. And the next up to go is going to be transportation jobs, where yeah. the self-driving car is going to be a thing. The first thing that's going to be automated is truck delivery, is semi-trucks, which employ a lot of people in the United States. Yep, yep. I don't know about Australia. Oh, no, there's a lot of truck drivers here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It'll be truck drivers and then taxis. Yeah. They, and that's a huge part of the transportation industry. That is the transportation industry. Uh, it's Okay, that's how your iPad kills you. The AI <laughs> gets in your iPad, turns on the GPS, and then gets a self-driving car to run you down. Done. <laughs> Done. I mean, you're probably safe inside your house, depending on where you are in the house but once you step foot outside it is fair game it's open season <laughs> yeah it's open season on humans because i mean yes you're on the sidewalk the car doesn't care about that the car will kill you yeah. if you're on the sidewalk which is actually another interesting point about ai development and it's should it have what's called trolley problems uh, like programming in it and the trolley yep problem, yep you know what that is yeah i do but go for it uh, go over it for our listeners here okay so the trolley problem is you have a like I believe it's called trolley problem because train cars in America are called trolleys or something. <laughs> like, uh, kind of the precursor to the well, kind of developed at the same time as the train. But trolleys are just more for straight up people transportation uh, within cities, as far as America is okay. concerned. So it's like a tram. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, much closer to a tram than a train, I would say. Okay. So the tram's going along, and you there's a person like tied to the tracks and you're standing there you could throw a switch and save that one person but you'd kill five others if you did and yeah so like the other track has five people just laying there unconscious yeah and so the, yep. tr the trolley problem is do we program self-driving cars to save the occupant which might be like one or two people at the expense of more people on like the sidewalk by getting the car to like pull over and up onto it and maybe running some people down at saving yeah. you from whatever's in front of you. Yeah. 
Yes. So, I mean, that's that's the nightmare scenario is you're in your car, you're going down the freeway, something crazy happens, and your car decides, you know what, the way to save lives here is to go off this bridge into the water. And you're just like, oh, I don't see a reason why we have to be doing this. You don't know what's going on, and then you're dead. Like, that's mm. a terrifying, terrifying scenario. Yeah. I mean, would you buy a car that advertises, look, we'll run other people over or we'll sacrifice you? <laughs> it's kind of yeah. I mean, it's, it's either one or the other, though, right? You run over the family of five or you smash into a concrete wall at 85 miles an hour. Mm. And... I, mm. I'd have to say, eventually, I just kind of settle on, I think... The less lines of code that the car is trying to like work through to decide what it is the better and so that's where i'd just be happy with this is instead of it trying to like realize oh this is a young person that's an old person let's save the young person because that's too much thinking i'd rather it just be in trying to save the like the most amount of people possible take the you know i still think saving five people not the one person is the better option yeah, just sheer numbers. Not like uh, you saw iRobot, I assume, right? The 2000 and I want to say 2006, 2007 film yeah, with, with Will Smith. Smith. Yeah. Yeah, and so the robot took into account this person has a better chance of living based on age, based on this and that and the other. And I thought the robot took into account his chance of survival from where he is, not Will Smith versus the girl's age. I thought, like, that person was easier to save in general, and that's why I went with it. Mm. Like, that's that's what I want my car to do, not realize that some people's lives are just kind of worthless. Like, well, or... I, I mean, it's very easy for me to say that, hey, I'm 23, I would rather get, like, I would rather get hit by a car than, like, the mother with her car driving her kids to school or something, right? But at the end of the day, I don't want to die. No. Well, but what if it could take into account, like, this person has congenital heart failure. They're going to die of a heart attack in 3.8 days, do you, right? Do you want that extra bit of code that your car has to go through while checking medical records or trying to make a snap decision? Well, whatever they're doing for code is a lot faster than human reaction time. So it's going to be an improvement <laughs> point, yeah. on anything we can do. But I don't, I don't... The difference, I just feel like, would be negligible between... Checking that versus just checking how many people there are, but I don't know. I don't know exactly how that would work, but it's definitely something to think about. Mm. I, I actually think that when it comes down to it, once we get enough self-driving cars that are connected and can stop and take off and make decisions safely, that I think just vehicle accidents will go down by so much it won't matter. Like if, the, if, right. if the handle got thrown and the trolley veered to the right and hit five people... I think five people is still better than, like, the 30,000 dying from car crashes in the U.S. alone per year. See, but you're right. You're 100% correct in that self-driving cars will decrease deaths due to car accidents by, like, all the magnitudes. Mm. But the way that PR works and the way that human consciousness works, the first time a car is responsible for a death, even if it saves 50 and kills one person, that's going to be a huge news story for a long time, right? Yeah, and all of a sudden, it's like the monster car that killed its owner or something. Oops. Yep. Yeah. Exactly right. So that's going to be, that's going to be interesting. 
And I would just worry about, because that's what it is. Even now, where Google is just in the test driving phase, but if a Google car isn't involved in an accident, even if a human's at the wheel, that is news. People broadcast that and print it and talk about it. I saw, this would have been a couple months ago, but an Uber self-driving car in yeah. San Francisco ran past a red light by like two feet or something, and it was yep. like front page news here. And it's like, oh my God, can you believe they've got self-driving cars that run red lights? Oh, we should ban them from Australia immediately. Yep. Yeah, so that's going to be it. So it's going to be the self-driving car software is not going to be perfect. No software is. I work in the software industry. I know how this works. It's impossible. But even if it's 99.999% better at saving human lives than humans are driving cars, every single mistake, every slip up is going to be a huge deal. And I just worry about public opinion saying we'd rather we be responsible for our own deaths. <laughs> than the machines you know that's something that could definitely happen it's a pr nightmare for any company that's trying to make self-driving cars for sure yep wasn't there a story like this would have been last year probably that a self-driving truck actually delivered a load from factory to like a distributor or something i did not catch that no do you know, do you remember what it was or what company or whose no. software it was or anything like that? I'm, I'm looking it up at the moment. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've heard of a lot of the testing that's being done by Google where just a lot of self-driving miles have been made and with trucks, but there have always been humans involved in some way. Mm. Are you saying it was a solo journey or there was a human like in the driver's seat? Uh, I think there might have been a human on board, but the truck was in okay. control the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so... A 120-mile trip, the truck driver left his seat and observed from the comfort of the sleeper's berth. Uh, yeah, it was a beer truck made a shipment delivery. Completely oh. automated from... Uh, give me some cities, please. <laughs> if it's beer, let's go with Milwaukee. Uh, uh, Budweiser? <laughs> is the, Sure. They've got plants the, everywhere. Like, I don't... Yeah. That might have been that's oh that's the beer company. We don't have that here. Uh, I can understand that. Yep. Okay. The shipment was delivered to Colorado Springs. Okay. Fort so Collins. 100 miles from Okay, so Fort Collins to Colorado Springs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah all right. That's neat. Mm. Does it say anything about what uh what self-driving uh, AI was behind it? Who was it? An Uber. Truck. It was Ubers. Oh. Okay. Yep. Because, yeah, I know a lot of different uh, companies are working on their own proprietary, st- proprietary stuff right now, which mm. opens up to a whole other can of worms, right? Like everyone's using the same software versus everyone's using different software, and that can I, cause I, some problems. I think in the future it'll need to be more everyone's using the same, but at the moment I think competition is good for the market. Like you don't want someone to have a monopoly on self-driving cars because when you have sure. five companies, it kind of... The, like, the arms race to develop will hopefully drive costs down in the future and get them here faster. Yeah, that's yeah. hopefully that's how that works. Yeah, hopefully. All right, so the other side of AI, which we've kind of hit on a little bit, is the evil sentient AI, right? Yeah. So the concept being that there's machine learning, where there's mm-hmm. software out there, if you, give, if you give this program, this machine learning program, a whole ton of data... It will discover patterns. It will extrapolate um, like facts based on those patterns. It will start to predict future behaviors based on the data that you give it. Mm-hmm. 
So the idea behind robots gaining sentience is if you give them enough data over time, they can continue to learn and learn and learn at an exponentially faster rate than the human brain can learn. And so an exponential rate is like almost impossible to comprehend on the human scale what that means. But that means they can go from, hey, this computer can play checkers Mm-hmm. To, hey, this computer can approximate a human consciousness in a way that we can't tell the difference in a pretty short period of time. Yeah, um, which is scary, to say the least. Yeah. Because I feel like once you get a computer emulating a human brain, there's no matter what you could tell me, that's a conscious computer right there. Yeah. Um, I mean, if it's the Turing test, right? If you hmm. can have a typed discussion, a computer chat discussion with an AI and you can't tell the difference between an AI and a human, that, what is, that's effectively human, right? What's the difference? There is no difference. Uh, I mean, you'll get people who say there's a difference and that people will always... Like a philosophical difference. Yeah, and people will think they can tell the difference once they've told, like, oh, this piece of music was written by an AI, but I, uh, Emily Howlett is the name of that program, by the way. It's an AI writes music and people can't tell the difference until you tell them there's a difference and then they go oh yeah i could totally tell <laughs> <laughs> yeah 100 percent. i mean that's the other thing is the cre- like people are like well my job's fine because i'm a creative and it's like you know what they're doing they're writing music espn has robots writing game report stories yeah if you go to espn.com and pull up just straight up this is the story accompanying a box score it's nothing fancy there's not a beat writer associated with it because it's a robot so writing and music and, I mean, what else? You've got doctors are going because IBM has Watson. Yep. Which, you know, is, I mean, a robot that can remember every patient's medical history for all time is, you know, and how every patient interacts with every drug in every specific way. I think. And can hold all of human knowledge about medicine in its brain, always accessible, always at the front of its mind at all times, which humans can't do. We can't do that. It's too much. Mm-hmm. So doctors are gone. Uh, from what I understand, the lawyers are pretty much gone because that's a lot of yep. like reading through text and drafting documents. So that's something that computers are doing now, <laughs> just not with legal ease. Yeah, a large part of that going away too. So this whole concept that, yeah, robots are taking our jobs and people say, well, they've always taken our jobs and we've always figured it out. Mm. It's never been like this. It's never been this comprehensively. No. Every type of job, most for the most part, robots can do better than humans can do. There's always going to need the people, I think, right? You say, well, coders are probably safe. No, robots are coding. They're not great at it now. But again, the machine learning concept means they improve very, very quickly. I actually have a story about my job when I was, because I'm a baker, when I was getting my certification, uh, they took us out on like a field trip to a bakery that was an automated bakery. Here's what you're learning not to do anymore. It was just a scary process where this guy pushes a button and this machine mixes up a dough that's, you know, 10 times what I do in an hour, 10 minutes, and then it just... And gets the measurements are all correct. Yep, everything's And perfect. the pressure applied for kneading the dough is perfect every time. Everything. Yeah. It automatically takes it from the bowl, pours it into just a giant hopper, and cuts it out into perfect quantities of whatever product that they want from basically just like a tablet, select this, and then write in a quantity. 
And then there were the people who had my qualifications sitting there and be like, my job is to pick it up off this conveyor belt and put it on this rack. And I'm like, a robot could easily do that job as well. Oh, yes, 100%. And also, you're looking at retail, right? McDonald's is a huge retailer rolling out automatic order your stuff. Um, we've got self-checkouts mm-hmm. at Walmarts in the States, which I use all the time because talking to people is not great. And they're, those jobs are going. They're going. Well, what are we going to do when all of a sudden people are unemployable because through no fault of their own, there's no jobs. Okay, so there's two options here as well. I know I'm going a lot with the two options today, but so option, so you're right. Eventually we get to the point that the only jobs available are for those who are very, very highly capable and very highly skilled and able to do very difficult type jobs, which not everybody, like not everyone's capable of doing. I don't think I have the capability to do those kind of jobs. And so you're left with a, a, a people that are essentially unemployed. There's nothing for them to do that is necessary in the economy. So option A is we're so efficient and generating so much wealth and so many things that it essentially turns into Star Trek. Oh. There's just so much food and so much housing because we can make it so easily that everybody just has enough food and has a place to stay and they get clothes and whatever they want and you just spend your time doing what you want to do mm-hmm. instead of having to go to work. And that's great, right? That's a very utopian future. Yeah, a very optimistic outlook. It is. And then option number two is going to be everyone's unemployed, everybody's starving to death, all the money is being hoarded by those that own the robots, which is a relatively few number of people, and then there are riots, and then that's where revolutions come in, that's where a lot of people die, in situations where there's no work and there's no food. People are willing to, willing to chance and willing to risk it all to improve that situation, and that's where people get killed. Absolutely try to avoid is the obvious answer to that. Right, but how do we avoid it? What do we do to get option A instead of option B? I don't, I've been thinking about this a lot, and I don't know. I saw a, a video that basically looked at this, and one of the ideas that they put forth was a universal basic income, where yes. everyone earns a base amount of money, that because I think the idea was you tax it from businesses because they're not spending money employing people and they have these basically extremely cost-effective robots now doing the job. You just give everyone a portion of that money, which, while I like the option, I think it's going to meet a lot of resistance. There could be a lot of resistance, for sure. A lot of people don't like that idea. But again, if they're unemployed... Suddenly, the option of a basic income sounds wonderful, right? No matter what your personal politics are, you're going to take that money. Yeah, and especially when the people who own the robots go, oh, no one's got money, no one's buying our products. They need money. I think at that point, they'll be willing to give off the extra profit that they're making from the robots. Yeah, Yeah. well, because it's incredibly, the profit margins are going to be through the roof. Yeah. And so, for sure, you tax them, they still have way more money than anybody else does. You're just throwing crumbs down to the populace to keep them alive and keep them happy and keep them, right? You give, if you give the average human being enough, like as much food as they want to eat and a warm place to stay, a fairly nice house, and you give them TV and internet and virtual reality, I think that's all most people really want, honestly. Yeah, I think it's hard to argue with that and... It, that raises the problem of what happens when we have too good virtual reality. What happens when we finally do get the holodeck? Well, then people just go in and never come out is what happens. Some people. Some people. Well, and the, and the other aspect, too, is 
Okay, so you get your basic income, you're living, you don't feel like you have a purpose, right? A lot of the big reasons some people work, a lot of people work is because they accomplish things and feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves and get stuff done. Um, and so what you can do with your free time, your copious free time, is you can make stuff and offer services. There are going to be people who would rather have the human created, I don't know, human built I'm trying to think of something human built table, right? Yeah. Like, or the human grown food versus the robot grown food. And they're going to tell themselves it tastes better. And maybe it does. And there's going to be a market for that kind of stuff that you can do with your free time and attain extra money. And there's a kind of this, this lower level human economy going on. Hmm. That's not necessarily enough to support anybody, but it just keeps us busy enough and important and enough in our own way that we don't all just like get super depressed. Yeah. Because if you give everyone what they want, they don't, they're not happy for long. Like, right. I need something to do. I, I took three weeks off work once, and I almost went crazy because I'm like, I've got nothing to do. I would just sit around, play a lot of video games, read a lot of books. By the time I came back, all my like, co-workers were like, oh, so you, you know, it sucks to be back. And I'm like, yeah, it totes. <laughs> uh-huh, <laughs> thumbs up. <laughs> Holidays always, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I'd go crazy without work. Um, yeah, and I don't think you're alone. I really think the vast majority of people, even if they hate work, would go crazy without work. It's just human psychology. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I do uh, QA testing for a software company, and it's not like the most exciting thing in the world, but it's pretty much different stuff every day for the most part. Um, I get to work with smart people that I enjoy spending time with. Like that's a huge deal. Just spending time with people who have similar interests to you is super useful. Um, so yeah, if I didn't have work and I just had everything taken care of for me, I mean, I think one, my wife would kick me out of the house because I'd just be like <laughs> moping around. <laughs> and I'd have, I mean, I'd honestly, what I'd probably do is just start casting StarCraft full time because robots can't do that yet. Playing it. True. Uh, yeah. They're playing. That's a that's a different it's a different skill. It's a different skill. Do you think AI will ever get to the point where they're beating real pro players at StarCraft? Yeah, I do. You do? Yeah, me too. I do cuz I mean StarCraft is really just about decision trees, right? Decision trees at this point, you do these things based on what it returns, based on what data comes back, you make these decisions. Mm -hmm. Plus, robots are just so much more precise. Like, their micro would be insane. Yes. Insane micro. The storms would be on point. Pulling wound, like, Blink Stalker would be the craziest <laughs> thing in the world to see. I, I would love to see that micro. Well, I'm, I'm just hopeful for the human players uh, is really what's happening. But um, because if you can de deny vision from your opponent and, you know, maintain good control... That's the difference between where I am in gold and the people in masters, really, is they know what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing, and they're able to make those decisions that much better. I had a guy yesterday who just went like mass disruptor. Oh, how did I not see this coming? And then I checked the replay, and it's like, oh, so I didn't leave my base for six minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, it's multitasking, which is something robots can do a million times better than people can do. We think we can multitask, but really we're doing a lot of things poorly is how we're handling that. Mm. The more things we're doing, we're doing them all a little bit worse. Yes. Yeah. And there are people who honestly think they're great at it, and I think they're fooling themselves. I really think they're just, they're telling themselves they're amazing at multitask, but if you really measured it, 
and really looked at what was going on, it would just be two things poorly, and neither of those things are getting done as well as if it was just being, if it was focused on one thing at a time. Yeah, if uh, you have two jobs, get two people. Like, that's... Or two robots. Yep. Okay, I just found the article that is actually about StarCraft Pros being ready to battle AI. About how, Okay. Yeah, and it's apparently the article interviewed Beyond and Jadon about if they'd be willing to do show matches against Google's DeepMind Robots. AI. Yeah. Okay. I'll throw it in like the show notes if you're interested in them reading. Yeah, yeah. No, sounds super interesting. Mm, it's not very long, which is unfortunate. I'd like something a little more in-depth about why things are so complicated and where the AI is at. We'll get there. Yeah. I mean, like I said, there has been a lot more talk about this in the last, I want to say, two or three years. It's really started to take off where the public consciousness is aware of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Whereas, yeah, there was talk about AI, but it was basically just computer nerds and Terminator those kind of people who cared about it. Yeah, and Terminator, it's fantasy though, right? Like nobody's saying, oh, the robots are actually going to take over. It's just a fantasy tale. It's basically dragons and wizards and stuff. I don't think people looked at that and said, oh, that's actually possible. Maybe they did. I don't know. I didn't feel that way when Terminator came out. Well, I wasn't alive when Terminator came out. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I do look at stuff like Terminator and it's basically Lord of the Rings for me. Uh, Yes. At the same time, it does look more believable because I know there weren't elves because there aren't elves now. I don't know there won't be murdered death robots because there aren't murdered death robots now. Right. Um, Yeah. I mean, have you watched you watched the videos from Boston Dynamics? The name does not ring a bell. Okay, so Boston Dynamics is a robotics uh, company. They just build robots, program them with AI to perform simple tasks. And they have a lot of different stuff in there. I think Google acquired them two or three years ago. And so they have a lot more money to work with and a lot more uh, a lot more facility stuff. But yeah, they're building robots that can pick up boxes, that can sack shelves, that walk on two feet like people, that can navigate stairs. I mean, it's, it is starting to look more and more like those humanoid robots that we, that we thought, you know, were elves, were fantasy in the past for sure. Yeah. Okay, I've just found their YouTube page yeah and i've seen some of these videos i didn't realize it was these guys but like some of the like the titles just catch my eyes like cheetah robot runs at 28.3 miles per hour a bit faster than usain bolt <laughs> and that's four yeah. years ago four years ago yep so i'm sure they're beating usain now oh yeah definitely yeah. i mean he's not running any faster than he was four years ago nope robots always so up. yeah that's it robots are stronger faster you can debate whether they're smarter than us or not, depending on what your definition of smarter is. Mm. And you but that's not going to be debatable sooner rather than later, I really think. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the only thing you can really like debate is, are they alive? And I, I think yep. at the end of the day, that doesn't even matter. No. It doesn't. I mean, the movies have also taught us, right? So in the future, robots are smarter than us. They're faster and stronger, but humans are unpredictable. Humans are creative, right? That's how we beat the robots. Wild card. (laughs) Yes. It's like humans in the Star Trek universe. Other races are stronger and more powerful and more logical, but humans, we can look at an issue and see outside the box and think outside (laughs) the box and find the other solution. And so that's what we've been taught. Right? Is that we'll find the other solution. We can handle this, but I'm not convinced we will. Like, I'm not convinced robots will be just as good at that as we are. Mm. 
uh, yeah, there, there's nothing I've seen so far that says humans are always going to be like pound for pound better than machines because they're already not. Yeah, that's basically the bottom line on that. <laughs> so it's heavy stuff. It's crazy stuff to think about. It's going to get even crazier, I think, within our lifetimes for sure. I would be shocked if there wasn't some major breakthrough um, in the next. Time to be alive. It is. Super interesting time to be alive. I mean, my grandfather, who's still alive, he's like 92, 93. He was born during the Great Depression. He grew up through World War One. He fought in World War Two. I mean, he saw us come from horses to today, to AI, to self-driving cars, all in his lifespan. And that's an incredible life. But I really think that our lifespans are going to be even crazier when you get down to it. What We're freaking out that there might be intelligence inside our machines. Uh, like, imagine what in 60 years what our kids are complaining about. Yeah. yeah. The machines are smarter than even them. Right. And you know, we just can't even conceive of what their problems are going to be, what they're going to be talking about. I, I mean, seriously, my grandfather, when he was young, thinking about his grandkids, what are they going to deal with? I'm sure he wasn't saying self-driving cars and artificial intelligence that is created by humans that is potentially smarter than people. Like, he didn't that never crossed his mind. So I can't see myself foreseeing what's coming down the line either. No, there's no way to emulate what could be happening because 80 years ago they weren't thinking about what's happening now. Nope. Impossible. Okay, let's... Are you done with this? I'm kind of yeah, done with this. I'm, I'm done with that. <laughs> it's, hurting, it's hurting my brain trying to think about all the different aspects here. Let's... Something I do want to tackle, um, I just read an article today by somebody who says that he is sick and tired of superhero movies, sick and tired right? Of he says he's tired of superhero movies. He wants them to go away. And my first thought was, well, you're kind of in the minority, dude, because they make billions of dollars every year. Wonder Woman is the top movie in the box office. And it's a superhero movie. It's you know it's a different take. It has a female lead, which is not very common, but it's a superhero movie, and it's killing it. People are seeing it in droves. I don't think the average moviegoer is tired of these movies. What do you think? Uh, I'm still hyped for superhero movies. Like thumbs up for me. Keep making them. As long as they're good, I'll keep watching them. I'm. The last movie I saw was Pirates of the Caribbean: Dead Men Tell No, Tell no Tales. Uh, Which, is that the recent one? What number is that? That's the new one, yeah. That's the new one, okay. Yeah, and I wasn't really a big fan of that, but I had a good time when I saw Captain America Civil War. I had a yeah. good time when I saw Doctor Strange. I'm going to have a yep. good time when I go and see Spider-Man. I, yep. I, my brother read a lot of comic books, so he gave me a bunch to read like over the years. And while I haven't kept reading comic books, I do have a lot of them, and I think... There's just a lot to draw on, and they're not something that's been made well yet. You can go back and look at the, the 70s Hulk or whatever, where it's a painted green man, but this is just... Yeah, they've been around forever, but this is for sure the first time they've hit the big screen, and really the small screen, yeah. with good production values. Yeah. Have you seen Netflix's Daredevil? Yes, Daredevil's great. Jessica Jones, oh, really good as well. Yeah. Really enjoyed that one. And, right, so how this works is... I think they've done a really good job, the Marvel Universe, of giving us characters that we care about, giving us relationships within those characters that we care about. Mm -hmm. Because, like, Jessica Jones, it doesn't have special effects. No. Not really. Like, she's super strong, and she can kind of jump high. But that stuff doesn't happen a lot. It's more about detective work and yeah. relationships with other people 
and her backstory, and we care about her as a human, not as a superhero. Yeah, and she's, I mean, she's doing that thing which I, the Marvel movie, like Marvel properties kind of do, which is at the first they kind of push back against being a superhero, but she's clearly not a, like, happy person, and I don't think that pushback is fake or being forced, because it needs to be there. Captain America's best friend Bucky, he's like, I'm a killer, I'm not a hero. She's like, well, I'm actually not a hero, I'm kind of a drunk, you know? Yeah. And, like, sometimes I help people out, I guess, but I also cause problems, so yeah. who knows how that washes out. Yeah, and if you don't want these photos getting out, you'd better pay me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is pretty much straight-up bad guy behavior, but we still view her as a hero because of other stuff she does. It's nuanced, mm. and I think people respond to that for sure. Yeah, and a lot of older movies that I've gone back and seen, uh, I say older movies, like the giant air-quoted <laughs> movies because I'm just such a young guy. Mm. A lot of them are just very boring action flicks, and it's like, I, I don't really care about Arnold Schwarzenegger in Predator. There's a difference between the action going on there. It's it's giant muscle dude just being like, I must kill everything, versus, hey, I kind of need some help. I know I've got these superpowers, but can we just sit around, chat for a bit, and maybe try and work out if Kilgrave's back, please? Like, yeah. Yeah, which is just a lot more interesting. So I can definitely see why that would be on the rise and most moviegoers would really be interested in con seeing that continue rather than let's stop making superhero movies or roll it back to two, three a year. That is something I wish they'd stop doing is being like, hey, in 2019, this movie's coming out. <laughs> it's two years away. I'll care about it then. I oh, will entirely forget about that by the time it comes out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 100%. Well, so I think this really began the modern era of good superhero movies with Christopher Nolan when he did Batman Begins in 2005, I want to say it was. And so what he did, he was an established director who had some really good movie credits under his belt. Have you seen Memento? No, but I've been meaning to check it out because I've heard really good things about it. I will tell you nothing about it, but you should see it. So this is Christopher Nolan with the ability to make good films from original IP and make it work and make it popular and make it just a quality film. And he just applied those principles to superheroes. Yeah. He didn't make super, he didn't make Batman movies. He made good movies that happened to star Batman and tell Batman stories. And that's the difference there. If you just come into it and say, I'm just going to make a superhero movie, then it's going to be bad. And we've seen it. We've seen some bad superhero movies in the past because all it is a superhero movie. But if you have good talent, you have Joss Whedon with the first Avengers movie. You've got Christopher Nolan as well. And you understand it's about human connection and making good movies with the principles that good movies are built upon. And then it's just a skin. It's a superhero skin with lasers and aliens and robots and superpowers. Then it works. I think that's the formula. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't help that also every time they do it, like that comic book nerdy scene kind of gets a little more, a bit of an edge into mainstream popularity. Um, I, I was talking to someone at work and she's... I don't want to say, like, I saw her and then assumed something, because I don't want the internet hate, but she looked like <laughs> a Kardashian clone, um, and I assumed she was just a, I'm going to sit down in here and read Cosmo, yep. and she was for a while, and I didn't talk to her, and then one day she saw that I was wearing a um, Iron Man t-shirt, and she's like, what do you think of the new movie? This was when Iron Man 3 came out, and I was like, what new movie? And she's like, Iron Man, and I'm like, you like Iron Man? And then <laughs> it was like, 
bing connection let's let's keep talking for the next 45 minutes and that's it it's the it's the appeal once you can get the audience who has never read a comic book knows nothing about iron man knows nothing Mm. about spider-man and get them to come because their friends said it's good Mm -hmm. and they enjoy it themselves without knowing any of the backstory that success right there anytime you can get outside your core targeted demographic and get a more universal appeal with anything really that's when you've made success that's when you've hit it yeah if you can get someone interested in something that they don't know about like that's a win and it proves that it's not we're interested in it because it's superheroes we're interested because it's good movies yep and like you said superhero skin which i'm totally fine for because superhero movies are good yep and yeah. they're good because they're good movies not because they're superhero based yeah it's actually how i got um my friend into starcraft was i put on this guy called i don't know if you've heard of him falcon paladin i put it on his youtube channel and they were like we don't know what's going on but this guy's entertaining <laughs> <laughs> And... Well, yes, I'm. I'm like flattered here. I don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah, I. If, if you're telling me I've got appeal with people who know nothing about StarCraft, I will take that and I will run with it. Yeah, you should because it's. They've been talking my ear off, being like, "So did you talk to him yet? Did you make that podcast? <laughs> Give it time. He's a busy man." <laughs> <laughs> we had to delay it a week because he's not in not in control of his own life. Yeah. All right. Yep. So yeah, that that applies to everything. Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan not because he appealed to basketball fans, but because he appealed to everybody on planet Earth, even those who don't care about basketball. Yeah, like, I don't I don't care about basketball all that much, uh, but I know who Michael Jordan is. Yep. And like The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yep. Even if you don't know what wrestling is, you've never watched a wrestling match in your life. You know who The Rock is. Yep. And. Possibly from Fast and the Furious. Or... Sure. And yes, him entering Hollywood has helped with that. But I really think even before he did Fast and the Furious and mm. Baywatch, I think people knew who he was. Am I wrong about that? No, no, no. You're definitely right. Okay. Yeah. And he's going to be the next president of the United States, by the way. You, you reckon? There is, like, it kind of started out as a joke thing. It's like, well, if Donald Trump can get elected with no politician experience whatsoever... And the governor of Minnesota was a professional wrestler a few years ago and didn't, like, the state didn't burn down. Then The Rock is just super charismatic. He knows how to talk to people. He knows how to get people hyped about stuff. Everyone knows his name. Everyone knows his name. And name recognition is about 80% of elections. I really believe that. And so, and he then he started making some, like, references to running. <laughs> And so it started out as this joke is like, holy crap, if he actually jumps in here, he's just, I really think he has a legitimate chance of being the next president of the United States of America. I mean, I'd vote for him, but I don't have a vote. So that's kind of a moot point. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I, I'd vote for him. Like, based on what we were choosing from in the last presidential election, I understand there are people listening to this podcast who are Trump supporters and Hillary supporters. I get that. I'm just saying, personally, I did not want to vote for either of those people. And if The Rock was on the ballot, too, I would have voted for The Rock. I, I promise you, I would have checked that box. Let's be honest. Politics is a lot more interesting if people are getting hit by chairs. <laughs> we can, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, there's, there are two senators who just can't get along, and they're arguing about this thing. And The Rock's like, all right, ring. let's... Let's get out. let's put the ring out. Let's get them down to their skivvies and give them some folding chairs and let's settle this now. It it would solve all the problems. <laughs> uh, on the opposite spectrum of awesome, 
didn't Kanye <laughs> West say he was going to run? I haven't heard that. Let me. I'm going to Google this real quick. I wouldn't be surprised. Like I said, once Donald Trump was elected, all bets were off. Yeah. All bets were off. 100%. Oh, yeah. So Kanye West announces 2020 presidential run during the 2015 VMAs. And there's an article from 2016 where it says he still plans on running for president. I don't see anything from this year, though. So either he's kind of forgotten about it, or which I would not be surprised about, or... <laughs> Or he's just biding his time, right? He's yeah. just he's waiting for the time to reannounce and actually enter it. So yeah, Kanye versus The Rock, 2020. <laughs> That's <laughs> you heard it here first. In the Falcon Paladin Hour, The Rock versus Kanye. Dwayne, it'll be we're gonna rock the West. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it's it's a little bit ridiculous. It is, but I, I'm, I am not joking here. I honestly can see it happening. Have you seen the movie uh, Idiocracy? Yep, which is more and more of a documentary every day. <laughs> um, every day. Basically, I, I imagine that's what it's going to be like in 2020. It might even be like that sooner. Well, I mean, thankfully, we only have elections every four years for president in America, so we kind of have this four-year time limit where it can't get too crazy until then, I don't think. Yeah, uh, that, that's I'm sure. I need to look up when the next vote is in Australia, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I got fined because we have mandatory voting, and I forgot to vote. <laughs> oh, you have mandatory... I didn't realize Australia had mandatory voting. Yeah, mandatory voting. Everyone has to do it. Um... There are ways you can get out of it by saying, like, look, I wasn't in the country or um, or I'm objecting from the vote and stuff like that. But you need to have okay. strong reasons for it. You can't just be like, well, I don't like any of the parties. Have you to have be to like be like a conscientious, conscientious objector. Yes. Yeah. I forgot. To, like, I moved recently. And so my I was still registered with my dad. They had a local election for the local government there. I you know, wasn't here, so I, well, I wasn't there, I was here, so I didn't get, like, the mail reminders being like, hey, you need to come vote, people who live at this address, and so one day, my actual mail turned up, and it was like, you owe us $55 for not voting. Please pay us, or you owe us 2000 Whoa, that jumps up fast. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, so you're like, okay, okay, first, first level. So, all right, so I've heard that this has been discussed in America, uh, mandatory voting with fines or whatever, and it's just, I feel like the average voter is too uninformed as it is. I count myself among those people. I don't research the issues as much as I should, and I just feel like, why make that worse? Like, why <laughs> why make more uninformed, uninspired, uncaring voters get to the ballot booth? I don't see how this helps anything, really. Um, I don't know that it does, to be honest, because I'm yeah. not very informed, but... When I look at poll statistics from your previous election where it's like 48% people didn't vote, you can yep. you can even see that even if uninformed people are voting, uh, you're not – it still removes the appearance of being run by a minority party. When a winning vote is 28%, uh, there's some systems wrong with your like voting systems as well we could get into. First past the post is terrible. 100% agreed. We can talk about that some other time. I think we should hit that for sure. Yeah, but when it's like 48% didn't vote and then the winner maybe scraped up 30% of the voters and then the popular elect didn't win as well, it just it, it looks really bad. I can't look at that and not feel uncomfortable. That yes. Even someone who didn't know 
really what's going on. Um, I think it's still maybe a better voter than not voting. It's a debate, that's for sure. Mm. And it's hard to if it's only, hard to conclusively determine anything there. If only politics was simple enough, you could have dot points for what each party stands for in the booth and be like, "Look, do you want to legalize marijuana? Just vote for the guys on the, like this page." I don't know how your voting works, but we have we get like a piece of paper and four times the size of the booth and got to read it and like put numbers everywhere. It's, mm. it's a process because we have alternative vote, so you rank. Um, you know, you put a number yeah. one for who you want, and if they don't get it, the votes are transferred to your number two pick. It's a good system. Got some issues. Yeah, yeah. No, I've. Do you know uh, what is it? CCP Gray. CGP Gray. CGP Gray. Thank you. Yeah, he had some. He had a series of videos about different voting systems and super educational. Learned a ton there, and learned yeah. for sure that first past the post is basically garbage. Mm-hmm. But I think we're coming up on an hour. What's our time at right now? Um, we are at... Because I'm feeling like we're at about an hour here. Yeah, 55 minutes. That's pretty good. Okay. Yeah. So I say, I say we save the voting topic for another time. We yeah. have a lot of other stuff to get to as well. But it, that's your teaser. Next time we're going to talk about different systems of voting. If that doesn't get you to come <laughs> back, I don't know what on earth will. No. <laughs> Should we perhaps tease a second topic? Uh, I don't know. I mean, let's let's talk about E3 next time. Let's talk about uh, the video game industry next time. Because E3 is ongoing as we are doing this. And so it's not quite done yet. We've seen some presentations. I kind of want to let it marinate for a bit. Mm. And in our next one, let's, let's hit that. Give me some time to think about it. Yeah, exactly. Do some research into it. Watch some presentations. Read some feedback. And I think we'll be well, well informed. Have you, just real quick, have you seen the Devolver Digital E3 presentation? Nope. It's, I'm not going to spoil anything. It's about 25 minutes long, and it might be okay. the best presentation I've ever seen. Okay, so we'll talk about that for sure next time. Definitely. We'll hit it. I'll that's watch homework. it. Homework. Everyone has to have watched it. Yes. That's, yes. Yeah. Homework is good. Homework keeps people involved. Okay, so that's going to be it for the inaugural edition of the Falcon Paladin Hour. Thank you, Wade, for joining me today during this extremely educational and entertaining hour of podcastry. Not a problem. Happy to do it. I don't think podcastry is a word, but I'm going to roll with it. Yes. So that's going to be it from us. We are planning on being on iTunes. This may be where you got it. Uh, Probably on SoundCloud as well. Anywhere you get your podcast, it should be available if you just search for Falcon Paladin. Pretty unique name. I don't think we'll get too many results that are not me if you put that into your search string. Uh, But yeah, that's about it. Thank you so much for joining us and subscribe to us if you like what you heard. We're going to do this pretty much once a week for the rest of forever is the current plan as long as nothing happens because nothing ever happens. (laughs) That's going to be it. So yes, the robot robot uprising might happen. But anyway, that's going to be it it from us tonight or today or whenever you're listening to this. And until next time, thank you for being here and you take care of yourself.